This is Pucks and Seven with Ryan Payton and Victoria Matiash. Okay, so if my math is correct, eight teams started round two, six teams remain, two are out, two are into one conference final, the other four battling for the two spots in the other conference final. Vic, do I have that correct? That sounds right to me. Are we allowed to say we're yeah. sad? I think we're allowed to say we're a bit sad. <laughs> we live in Toronto, yeah, we are. we're a yeah, bit go, sad. Yeah. We're gonna go we're ahead. Gonna look go at, ahead. We're gonna look at the game objectively. Absolutely, yeah. because we can do that. We're both journalists, and we understand how to do right. that. But I still think we can say we're a little bit sad. Sad for the city of Toronto. Sad for uh, Blue and White Nation. Sad for Maple Leafs fandom. Sad for ourselves, because it was fun. It was fun watching them play some playoff hockey. There, it that was, was cathartic. And into it round feels better two. now to say it out loud. <laughs> you feel better. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to start, actually. We got that off, uh, at least off her chest. Um, yes. Yeah, we're talking about Toronto. They, of course, fell to the Panthers in that fifth game. So we'll dive into that. Pucks and Seven, Ryan Payne, Victoria Matiash. Follow us on Twitter at Ryan and Payton, also at Victoria Matiash. Vic does great work, as always, with a major news talk channel in Toronto and ESPN.com. And uh, I do work for SiriusXM, NHL Network Radio, Channel 91. Uh, the Kraken as well. They're still in this thing, Vic. Every time we do this, I keep saying they're still in this. Uh, I hosted a uh, show this morning, the hot stove uh, in the morning on Channel 91 on Sirius XM. So we kind of dove into a bunch of stuff there. We're going to do it again now. Coming up in the next segment, we'll talk about Edmonton and Vegas. We'll talk about Dallas and Seattle. And then we'll dive into the Hart Trophy. But let's uh, get going, why not, with Toronto and Florida. So the Leafs won game four, sent it back home for game five. There was so much involved in that game. Victoria so say, much involved. It wasn't, it wasn't lacking for drama. <laughs> That's oh for my sure. goodness! I mean, we can spend we can spend the whole hour do, talking about that. So many things inside the game that happened, but the end of it all, as you said, yeah, kind of a sad day. It is tough if you're a Leaf fan and you watch this core, you watch this group, you see this window that was. That's being open, but it's really, it's getting closer and like slow, closing in, closing in, closing in as every year passes by. Um, And the Panthers move on to the Eastern Conference final. Very surprisingly, I think. I think less surprisingly game by game, but definitely surprisingly when you think about where they were in January. At the beginning of the playoffs. Even into even into February, well, they weren't even supposed to be here. Yeah. I mean, if if Toronto was advancing past the Lightning, they were supposed to play the Bruins. That's how it was all drawn up. But none of that happened. Obviously, full credit to the Panthers in this game. They got the early lead. I think that was a big key for them. Toronto fought back valiantly. Yeah. We'll get to the non-goal call in a minute because that deserves its own attention. But you know what? Credit to mm-hmm. William Nylander for. Actually, you know, tying it up with four and a bit left, we have been criticizing the core four with this team for the last couple of of weeks, justified, justified, but we still have been criticizing and he did step up and he actually did put in an incredible individual effort to score that goal. And then in overtime, anything can happen. What I did like about overtime and what I appreciated about overtime was that Leafs didn't lose it on the Florida power play. That was because of the delay of game of that weird weird tap of the puck going over the glass because that was how you did not want to you you don't i know you you hate that rule i think they need to look at it because that was there was no delay of game with that particular play if it's purely yeah if it's purely accidental like that was there is absolutely no intent by tj brody to try to alleviate pressure by putting the puck in the crowd. So yeah, they do. It just, uh, I, we, we've seen time and time again, players do that, try to alleviate, but nine times out of 10, Vic, 
they don't mean to do it. I think it's a really stupid rule, and yeah, it just really irks me. I would uh, like it if I they had, <laughs> if there was the gray area that the ref could determine if there was intent. And I know that's very difficult to gauge sometimes, right. but I think you can still tell. Like in this particular case, anyway, this uh, that's worth a segment all yep. on its own, and sometime we're going to give it its proper due. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right now, I'm glad the fact the game was not decided on that call because it wasn't the Leafs killed off that penalty and then shortly after that there was the uh the uh <laughs> okay so here's my issue with uh-huh, the game go with goal. <laughs> go. I am not yeah. one to spout off that the Leafs have it in uh, the Leafs have it in the refs have it in for the Leafs the league doesn't want the Leafs to advance that's all horse manure it's all horse manure right. and we know it. I think the NHL would be perfectly fine with the Maple Leafs advancing and all the rest. They really didn't call a lot in that game. And I was watching no. it last night, but you're caught up in the emotion. It was watching again today, certain highlights over and over and over again that I noticed how many calls were not made. And you hear the argument on social media, oh, but you know, Florida didn't get some calls. No, no, no. The Maple Leafs really didn't get the calls. And that last one where you can see mm-hmm. Radko Gudis holding the yep. stick of Kelly Yarncroc. Yep. And he's holding, holding, yep. holding it. And if he doesn't mm-hmm. hold it, I'm going to tell you what, that goal doesn't go in. Now, ifs yep. and buts, whatever. Okay. But still, it would have been nice if that wasn't the case. And I'm still a little surprised that the Maple Leafs just got off the ice and just conceded it and there wasn't any discussion about it. I know it's not reviewable, but still, if Yarncroc had made a big deal about it in the moment, Maybe you get that whistle. Right. So that's I just a great didn't point. Love the way it wrapped um, up. That's all. Yeah, no, no, and, and to and, and we'll get also to the to the non-goal as well in just a second. But to your point about that last rush by the Panthers when the Leafs were in the offensive zone and Gudis got the puck and he started up ice and he gave it to Cousins and then you could see the only thing Gudis had in his mind was go to the front of the net and he was going to clear out anybody and anything in his way. I didn't see the holding of the stick until the replay and the replay and a replay. I also Same. will tell you this. Yeah, I don't like, uh, I'm all for competitiveness in hockey. Totally get it. I really did not like what Gudis did right after that goal. There's that still frame shot. I know we're picking this apart, but still, I mean, be, be, be sportsmanlike. And he just yelled in the face of Joseph Wall, who, look, came in and did as good of a job as I think anybody would have expected. I don't blame the guy for anything whatsoever. But anyway, the whole thing was Gudis was going back and I'm like, okay, it's done. It is. And to your point, if that stick was available for Yarncroc, he would have probably tried to poke it away. The the lane would not have been as open as it would have been for Cousins because of what Gudis did. That's too bad. Let's go back now. I want your thoughts on the non-goal, the Riley cut-in that took about, what, I don't know, 10 minutes or so to look at again and again and again and again. So what what did you make of that? I don't understand why we don't have the technology to sync up the video with the with the audio and, and understand perfectly yeah. when the whistle went. I just don't understand why we don't have that. And I am, I am being a little bit critical of the league, or maybe I just don't understand engineering and science well enough to understand that this is that's something very difficult to do because I don't get it. I don't get how you couldn't have figured out quicker whether it was or wasn't. Now, to my mind, I changed my mind continuously during that review as well with what was available to watch and to listen to. And I thought, no, you know what? They can't call that a goal because you couldn't see it. And that was for the longest time. 
Bobrovsky's pad was right on top of it. And then at the end, when you mm-hmm. saw it cross the line, okay, but maybe the whistle had went. But they had called goals before because there's the whole, well, the whistle didn't affect the flow of play. It's just, there's too much gray here for me. And there's too much wiggle room here. And I hate the fact that this was, and it was a deciding factor. And I know they went on, both teams went on to score more, one more goal each, Mm -hmm. really. But I hated the fact that this was in an elimination game. It's not the same thing as playing in November. I don't care what anybody says. It isn't. I just didn't like that it was a factor. I thought it was a goal. Really, if pushed, I'm going to say it was a goal. I can understand the argument it not being one, again, with the whistle blowing. But I really wish they would come up with a different way to figure this out. It is. uh, I completely agree. And a lot of times when the rules and things happen and they get implemented in sports, new ones, you hate to see them happen because of something like this. This should be, have been in place in the NHL for a long time. And I know there was a lot at stake to do it. I totally understand that. Aaron Ward, we had him on, former Stanley Cup champion. He actually, in part, is involved in a company that helps with this whole tracer thing in a puck and, and puts like these signals on the ice. He said it's really hard to do. So the process is starting, okay. but unfortunately, this was a huge factor in this in this game. What I didn't, well, I'm not like I didn't like, I didn't like how I thought at the end of it all it was in, but the one thing that I didn't, really realized till today was that if the goal was overturned and if it, there was, if it was yeah deemed a good goal, Paul Maurice could have challenged and he would have challenged it by saying, well, Bobrovsky had the puck, Mar- uh, Morgan Riley pushed the pad over, right? So then that could have come back either way. So I think Florida was in benefit and, and they would have won that thing regardless. But again, as we're talking about, it's the game within the game and it's really too bad. A bunch of those things happened last night. Well, I mean, I guess it's entertaining. So before we get too wrapped <laughs> yeah, up with our- That's one word. Our, yeah. We're sounding, it sounds like we've got a lot of sour grapes here. And I, I want to pull back on that a little bit. The Florida Panthers yeah. did a hell of a job. Yes. Okay? And yes. they did beat the Maple Leafs. They did. Yeah. Were they the better team last night? When we're talking about Friday night's elimination game, depending on when you're listening. I don't think so. I don't think they were the mm-hmm. better team last night, but they won that game. Were they the better team more consistently throughout the series? I think there's an argument to be made yep. for that, for certain. And they knew how yes. to play the Leafs, and they knew how to neutralize the yep. Leafs' best players because they did it the entire time. They they can't keep up with this team, but they did. Carter Verhage flies. Everybody else doesn't. I mean, but they did everything that they they needed to do. They played aggressive. They played physical. Their forecheck was was incredible. They clogged up the slot in front of Bobrovsky, yeah. who was out of his mind. Full credit there. Yeah, I was I was continually expecting Bobrovsky to fold, to just fold like to break uh, cheap yeah. house of cards, and yeah. and crumple, and he didn't. And what? How many saves did he have? Fifty of fifty-two in that game, I believe. Something like, yeah, over 50, yeah. They weren't all amazing shots. They weren't. In fact, the quality chances, I think, I believe were quite low, and that's credit again to Florida's defense. But again, he stopped 50 pucks in that game. So does Florida deserve to be where they are? I believe they do. It just, I'm just going to nitpick a couple things in that game. Again, with the officiating, I think they could have called a few more, even some, even some on the Mm -hmm. Panthers side as well. I think they could have called, especially watching the next game, when we're going to get to in the second segment when the Oilers played Vegas and they did call a bunch of stuff. Yep. And I'm like, that wasn't called in the earlier game. That wasn't called in the early game. Ooh, look at that. Yeah. They're not called in the earlier game. <laughs> right. No. So it's, anyway. it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough to be consistent. I'm glad you said too, we're not, we're not just, you know, sore losers and all that stuff. But the unfortunate part for me is that 
there was so much of that discussion after a game like that. I wish there was none of that and just a good hard-fought game, no controversial issues, and the Panthers ended up winning. To your point, yes, the Panthers certainly knew how to play Toronto. They were physical. They knew how to play Boston. They came back against Boston. There's something to this team. They have no pressure. They don't care, yet they do. Bobrovsky's numbers, Vic, against Toronto, 4-1 and one in the series, 1.89 goals against, 943 save percentage, which yeah, is absolutely outstanding. Yeah. And here, and last, last thing. Yeah. Last, last thing on this. This is a kind of a weird thing. Back on March 29th, the Panthers beat Toronto 3 2 in overtime. They ended a four game skid. That started for them a run that they went on in the last eight games, 6 1 and 1. And they finished one point ahead of Pittsburgh and one point ahead, or also ahead of the Buffalo Sabres. So just weird. Weird, eh? So what do they do now? Anyway, Panthers move on. Leafs are on the golf course. Yeah. What do they do now? Um, Who's gone? Who stays? What happens? Yeah, so he, here's my thing. My thing is that the window again with this team is closing. Um, Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, all the big, they have either two or one year left on the contract. I think the biggest thing is going to be whether Matthews signs an extension in the summer. Uh, he's able to. If he does not, I think the writing is on the wall. I think that he will not resign and he will test free agency. I don't think the team is that bad. They're not that bad. I think Wall's good. The future is too. I think what's going to happen is this. If Dubas gets fired, look, he did everything he could, Vic, to try to get the best team on the ice. And I applaud him. And I think he did very well with his acquisitions. At the end of the day, it's up to the guys on the ice. I do think they need a fresh set of eyes, a fresh voice behind the bench. So I think the first move is going to be Sheldon Keefe. Don't like it. Hate when coaches get fired, but I think that's the first move. I think so too. They do have some decisions to make in the summertime. I really, really hope that they're able to re-sign Ryan O'Reilly. I do think he's a difference maker. I still think he has a lot of steam left. It's going to depend on his price take for sure. All the criticism that the core yep. four received, first of all, I mean, like, what are you going to do? You're not moving John Tavares' contract. So that conversation is done. You're not trading Mitch Marner because he's a magical player and he's amazing and he's incredible. And who are you going to replace Mitch Marner with? Okay. William Nylander was probably the best of the four in this series, so you don't want to necessarily move him because now he's proven he he is a playoff performer. That leaves Austin Matthews. You're, if you're moving Austin Matthews, if he doesn't sign an extension, and that's going to be a very, very – Toronto's going to talk about this all summer. If he doesn't and yep. he gives an indication that he wants to play in the States, he wants to play in a different market, I don't know how much he likes it here. If he's giving that indication and he is moved, you better get something back because Austin yep. Matthews – is an exceptional player as well. And those type of centermen do not grow on trees. You just can't go when they're talking about Mark Shifley in Winnipeg. Oh, you got to move Mark Shifley out of Winnipeg. Well, who do you place Mark Shifley with? They're just, they're not readily available. So you have to make sure, but Matthew Nyes is going to play next season and he's going to, play for cheap because he's on an entry level deal. That's a huge bonus for the, yep. for the Leafs. Resign Sam yep. Lafferty. I really like that kid. I know he's not a kid kid, but he can fly. And you're basically leaving the defensive core outside of, you know, who, who's had a rough, who had a rough postseason. You're leaving them essentially alone for another season as well. I think the goaltending is in good shape with Sansa. You're now looking at, never mind Matt Murray. If you can move his con- him and his contract, that's great. I don't think they can, but hopefully maybe they can put him on LTIR. No for the entire season yep. if he does have a bad neck or a bad head or something, because you're not trading him. So, but you've got Samson off and you've got Wall in net now, and they're both proven to be good goaltenders with a future and upside. I don't think they're in that bad shape at all. If they don't re-sign Kyle Dubas and he signs with another team and he has every right to do that as well, you know he's going to just make magic mm-hmm. there. 
and he's going to enjoy a whole hell of a lot yep. of success with whoever, whether it's Pittsburgh or whether it's somewhere else. So I would rather have that brain in-house instead of sending him elsewhere to a team that knows how to beat us. I'd just rather keep him. And you're absolutely right, Ryan. They need a fresh voice behind the bench. I like Sheldon Keefe, but it's not working. They are not, no. I've heard over and over and over again, many different outlets that he was outcoached in this series by Paul Maurice. So if he was outcoached in the second round playoff series at Stanley mm-hmm. Cup Finals, then he can't stay. Because be, because how do you know he's not going to be outcoached next no. time? Yeah, and listen, I'll, I'll go one step further by going one step back. Even though Toronto beat Tampa, I think he was outcoached in that series by John Cooper. The they reason why the fortunate. Leafs won that, they... Yeah, they got lucky. Three overtime wins on the road. That does not happen a lot. Anyway, it's going to be an interesting offseason in Toronto. Once again, it starts far too early than a lot of the Leaf fans certainly would want. Okay, speaking of um, offseasons, the Devils are out. Carolina, my goodness, this team is just flying. Uh, Five games took them to knock off the Devils. They're into the conference final, Vic, in the East. They're going to take on the Florida Panthers. I'm looking forward to that. Um, let's go back to that series, Carolina and New Jersey. Give the Devils a ton of credit. An amazing comeback from last year. They were terrible, and the upside is incredible with this club. No reason to hang the heads whatsoever, but at the end of the day, the Carolina Hurricanes, they're the best team right now. Best team in the NHL by far, I think. If you believe that defense wins in the postseason, I think they're proving it, right? Because they have one of the best defensive (laughs) cores in the league, if not the best. Yeah. So, and they figured out, they figured out how to slow down the Devils, because one of the fastest teams, and particularly through the, uh, through the neutral zone. They figured that out, and that's why they won. And they're not very flashy, and they don't have the scoring prowess that they did even a little earlier. I mean, people are talking about Tara Vine, and Tara Vine had a, a not great season. They're not missing him huge, and fortunately, right. it sounds like they're going to get him back, but they are missing Andre Svechnikov. And they've managed, they've just all stuck. Everybody does the same thing all of the time. They're incredibly consistent. They've bought into Rod Brindamore's uh, system. You want to talk about not being outcoached. Brindamore has absolutely figured out how to make it work. And again, being extremely blessed with one of the the best defensive cores. And these guys are highly unappreciated. I don't think we talk about them enough. I know you and I don't. We should give them more due. And Mm -hmm. good enough goaltending. There you go. It's one plus two plus three equals six. It's done. That's what you need. They did just enough. But they're all in doing the same thing and they're consistent. And the effort everybody puts in, you can just tell. What we were criticizing about the Leafs earlier, about not taking that extra step, not taking the extra stride, not completing that check. Carolina's players do that to a man. And I think that's a big reason mm-hmm. that they're moving on as well. No Max Pacioretty, no Svechnikov, no Teravine, and three huge pieces to that puzzle. Rod Brindamore, every year, I think he deserves a coach of the year nomination, even though he's, you know what I mean? It just, it, it's incredible what he does and what he's able to do with that team, how they buy into his system. You mentioned the goaltending, and this is intriguing going forward. Because Brindamore has gone back and forth off and on to Ranta and um, Freddie Anderson. Uh, Kachekov's been in all that stuff. He was pulled, what, four goals and 18 shots. The only time in game three when he came in. But Freddie Anderson, I want to talk about Bobrovsky's numbers. Anderson's 5-0 and with a 1.80 goals against, 931 save percentage. So to me, there's, there, there's no reason for any discussion. If Freddie's healthy, if he's happy, if the team's rolling, there's no discussion. You put him in, Ronta, fine, if there's a short leash, whatever it is. But uh, they've got it all, goaltending, defense, and they're scoring too. I think the 
the blue line deserves a lot of credit for Freddie's numbers because I think he's, he's sure. been good. Sure. I take nothing away from his performance whatsoever. He's been good, but I think the guys out front are helping him a lot in that regard. But you're absolutely right. Why would yeah. you? It ain't broke. Why? There, if there's any discussion at all about bringing Ranta back in, I don't understand. I don't get that at all. Freddie has been absolutely yeah. good enough, and this is a guy who has dealt with issues, especially injury-wise, and now he looks fine. He says he feels fine. You have to believe him by the way that he's performing. Yeah. So there's no – I don't understand any reason for making a switch there. And what's interesting is when the West – the West are still battling it out, and we could still be in for another two, three days – of this competition to figure out who's yeah. going to the Western Conference final. Yep. So no matter what, the Panthers and the Hurricanes are going to get a little bit of rest. And I like that because I want to see both teams. I know they're both brutally banged up because everybody is banged up. I'm just waiting to hear that Austin Matthews Everyone is, is. playing with a, a broken wrist or something yep. because you always hear the stories right. later. <laughs> but I uh -huh. mean, they're going to, at least they're going to feel a little bit better having the two, three, four days off and be their best selves under the circumstances. And I think that's going to be a fun series. I really do. Carolina going to the uh, conference final, first time since 2019. The Panthers in for the first time since 1996. It's been a very, very long time. Uh, going to be fun. Can't wait, in fact, for that series. Uh, we'll get to the other um, games in a second, also to the West, and see what's going on in, in that conference. Uh, Ottawa Senators, before we hit the break, Ryan Reynolds. So the reportedly, um, Reynolds and the Remington Group, they pulled out of this huge bidding war. You know, Snoop's involved, The Weeknd, all these different actors and famous people are all involved to try to get... Uh, the senators, um, the bid was expected to go past $1 billion, which is an unbelievable um, amount of money for a hockey team. But uh, according to reports, Reynolds and the bid is no longer part of that process. I find it interesting that they're giving the excuse they weren't given exclusive bidding rights, which I don't understand why you would expect right. that, but okay. But I think it has probably no. more, there's, there's something else going on here. And I think it very much might have to do with the fact that this team was supposed to be worth 850 million only a short time ago. Now, all of a sudden, because yep. of all the interest that's been generated, it's now over a billion dollars. So maybe it has more to do with the actual price tag. You and Ryan, you just said it's an unbelievable price tag for a hockey team. How, it's an unbelievable yeah. price tag for a hockey team in Ottawa, Canada. Right. <laughs> like this is the <laughs> right. Rangers. We're not talking about the no, Blackhawks, right? That's like, a good this point. Is, that's a good We're point. talking a smaller market team outside of the U.S. And they're asking, I, I, the billion dollar price tag blows my mind. I think it's great. I think it's great for the league. I think it's great for Ottawa. I think it's great for the Senators. I am now absolutely, I'm rooting on the Snoop Dogg bid for sure. And uh, we'll see if Ryan Reynolds maybe latches onto somebody else. I wonder if he's done, done, done with it. Or it's just maybe that group didn't have it all together and weren't on all the same page. Yeah. I'm, the, the I'm with Sparks, you maybe the with Sparks. I'm with you. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. There, I think there's something a bit more. We're going to find out. We shall see, but I'm with you. Ottawa, a billion with all due respect to the Sens. You're right. You're not the Rangers. You're not these high-valued high franchises. Anyway, money talks. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and we'll focus in on Edmonton, Vegas, Dallas, and Seattle. Big Game 6 coming up tonight, and we'll take a look at the Hart Trophy finalists as well. Pucks and 7, Ryan Payne, Victoria Matiash. We will be back. Welcome back to Pucks and 7 with Ryan Payton and Victoria Matiash. 
playoff edition with plenty of drama. We, we just went through the Eastern Conference and who's remaining, and it's only we're down to two now. Four is obviously playing Carolina after the Leafs were eliminated last night. Jersey was eliminated a couple of nights ago, and there's still plenty. There's plenty of drama in the West as well. There was another banger last night. Followed the Leafs game yep. with Vegas and Edmonton. Dramatic for different reasons. Vegas emerged on top. A tight game. Well, I guess you could say, was it? I suppose. I mean, one team scored almost all the goals in a minute and a half. <laughs> so that was interesting. Yes. But basically, <laughs> special uh-huh. teams came to play. We have been on this, Ryan, all se- yes. all season with the Oilers, but all postseason, uh-huh. especially with the Oilers, but other teams as well. You cannot mm-hmm. give the Edmonton no. Oilers power plays. You cannot. No. They will burn you. And they only scored three in that game, but all three were with the extra skater. That's not a coincidence. Now, kudos to Vegas for stopping them five on five. That's huge. But just again, illustrating. And the fact that Vegas won was also the fact that Edmonton took bad penalties as well. So if, when those two teams allow the other to have the extra skater on the ice, there's a very good chance mm-hmm. that the puck's going in the opposing net. 47.4%. That's what Edmonton's power play is clicking at this postseason. In second is Winnipeg at 41.7, but they played five games. Boston, 40.7. They played seven games. The Kings played six games, 33.3. So to your point, um, I just don't, There, you can't stop it. And it, it, you're going to take a penalty. Vegas is going to take a penalty. So you know that when you take that, 99% of the time, you're going to allow a goal. Deal with it and well, find some other way to stop that team. Well, something percent right. of the time. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. We want to be specific but about it. May, it. <laughs> you know what? If Yeah, probably feels like it. You go off the ice, great. They're going to get a goal. Here we go again. I'm going to be in the whatever and blah, blah, blah. Anytime a team gets three goals, you mentioned, in less than 130, um, you should end up winning. For the most part, that does happen. Sometimes it doesn't, but whatever. But that is, that's what I find about Vegas. And this even happened in game one um, when Leon scored all four for uh, the Edmonton Oilers. And lost. I found that, yeah, I, I found that Vegas just comes back. They always have a counterpunch. And that's what happened with this one. They had three counterpunches. Boom, 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 back to back to back. Um, it was a tight game. It was a good game. Vegas, I think, is in the driver's seat. Again, Edmonton coming home for game six on Sunday. They need that one to force the seventh game. But at the end of it, this series to me is living up to what I thought it would be, and that's one heck of a series. It is one heck of a series, and we're going to have both Darnell Nurse and Alex Petrangelo back for the next game after they were both suspended. Yeah, thoughts on that, by the way. Oh, the suspension? Thoughts on that. Uh, uh, Petrangelo's... the nurse yeah, thing, the nurse the thing not being rescinded and then the Patron. It was it was by the book. I mean, I don't I don't see how yes. the NHL could have rescinded it. I don't love it. Right. But the one right. game suspension, it's by the book. He knew the rules, he broke the rules. You get the instigator in the last five minutes, it is what it is. Uh Petrangelo, who I adore as a hockey player and have for many, many years now, deserved two games. So, and he got one. I knew he would get one. I wanted him to get two. I knew he yeah. would not get to because Leon Dreisaitl could have broken wrists right now. And that would be absolutely awful. Yeah. And Alex Petrangelo didn't slash him on the wrist going, I know I'm not going to break his wrists. I'm just giving him a little love no. tap here. It wasn't that. He was no, like, no, no. he was over no. the head and brought it down like yep. an ax into a piece of wood. And it could have been very Some bad. People- I think everybody's lucky that he's not hurt. Some people said that there should have been no suspension whatsoever. 
There is an argument that. that there shouldn't have been any suspension at all. No, none at all. And I just thought, are you kidding me? You're lucky Leon didn't break his hand or his wrist or his finger or anything like that. You take your stick and you little love tap. That's fine. This is above your head. Puck is way gone from dry sidle. Anyway, you're right. So Petrangelo was gone. Nurse, I'm with you. Can't rescind the thing. Haig was engaged with somebody else at the time. I know they talked about it before. Hey, whatever, that's fine. But Nurse came in, so you can't rescind it. So you they can't were do both. That. Um, you can't do that. No, you can't. You can't. Um, even strength in this, this is a, a real fascinating statistic. I know we talk about Edmonton in the power play. Both teams have 17 goals. It's been that tight, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it's been that tight. Edmonton has nine of their 17 with the man advantage, seven at even strength. Vegas has 13 at even strength, 13 at even strength. So it just goes to show you if you are able to somehow, even though Vegas can't do it yet, somehow keep Edmonton off the power play, you've got a great chance of winning. But to date, they still haven't done that yet. They're up 3-2. It was very funny. Well, there's nothing funny about the boarding call, but when Keegan Colasar went into, um, Keegan Colasar went into um, Ekholm, and I'm watching him like, that's a boarding. That's a major. (laughs) And they got the five-minute major. The fact that the Oilers only scored one goal during that five-minute major, and that was considered a victory of sorts by everybody watching the game because they could have given up four, right? The Oilers could have scored three or four goals on a five-minute major the way their power play is humming along, but they kept them to just one and ended up winning the game. That speaks volumes itself, right? So, no, they've got to – if you play – if Vegas plays disciplined, they have a very good shot of wrapping this up. On when is it Sunday? That's right. My game, my days are all Sunday. over the place. They have a very yeah. good chance of wrapping it up on Sunday. Now, here's my question to you, Mr. Ryan Payton: Who starts the net for the Edmonton Oilers? I know. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, I go back to Stuart Skinner. Why? And do want to do want to know do want to know the reason why? Um, not that anybody not that anybody should make anything of this, but Stuart Skinner. Over the course of this series, when he has had a bad game, he's come back with a pretty good outing. And this is what's happened in this series. I'm trying to get this all up here as I'm talking to you. Okay, here we go. So in the first game, um, he didn't look very good. Next game, he gave up one. Uh, Game three, didn't look very good. Next game, gave up one. Game five, suspect. Next game is tomorrow. So if he follows that pattern, I think you still got to go with it. You still have to go with Stuart Skinner. He's gotten you to this point. It's not like tomorrow night's game seven. You don't want it to go game seven. Um, Well, you do if you're Edmonton, but you don't want to go game seven for Vegas. But I think, I think Skinner, I've said it all series and I'll stick with him. it, It is an elimination game. This is, I disagree with you. We don't often disagree. I disagree with you. Jack Campbell came into that game last night and didn't allow a single goal. He didn't surrender a goal. So why are you, and he didn't play five minutes. He played over a period, right? He can't, I get it. I get it. Yep. I get it. So why would you put to me, you go with the person who just did not surrender a single goal and kept your team in it. And I'll tell you what, the Oilers ran out of steam to end that game five on five watching them. They they really did. They ran out of gas. If they hadn't, we might be having a different discussion right now about the Oilers coming back, tying it up and going overtime, but they didn't. They just, they, they, you could tell they just lost it a little bit. Fatigue, who knows? Emotional fatigue, 
I have no clue. But they really, the last, they, they weren't playing to win it in the last 10 minutes of that game. It was noticeable. So, and they still only lost by one goal. And credit to Jack Campbell, who was good enough. He didn't do anything incredibly spectacular, but he was good enough. So you go right. with the guy who did not surrender a goal. But short leash, as you like to put it. And Stuart Skinner's got to be yeah. sitting right there. And he has to be hungry to go in and redeem himself because he didn't have a great game. Right. He didn't. Right. That's how I would play it. So I don't think that's what they do. I think they're going to, I think they will go with Skinner. I think they're on team Peyton. <laughs> yep. But I, I, would, think, uh, I think, I think, I think we that. had this, we had this discussion last time. Mm-hmm. I think we had this discussion last time and we've been thinking about it. Would you start Skinner and Campbell? Um, and I think you said Campbell, the same thing. You're right. Um, if, if you go with a guy who didn't give any goals up, then I think that's good mentally. But at the end of it, I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm just too loyal, but Hey, how do you like this game time on Sunday? 10 Eastern. You okay with that? No? I was so Shall we move on? The only <laughs> thing, <laughs> the only silver lining to the cloud of yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs being eliminated yeah. from the yeah. postseason was that there was one game on Sunday scheduled, and I thought, well, wouldn't that be wonderful? I don't need a 4 p.m. start, but 7 p.m., 8 p.m., <laughs> give me an 8.30 uh-huh. so I can go to bed at a reasonable hour, but they're starting at 10 o'clock and i just don't understand it i'll watch it i'll stay up and be really cranky the next day but i will watch it i just wish it was on a little earlier i'd like i'd love to know their reasoning i would love to know why if just other things are scheduled is it a traveling thing i mean they've had the day off in between i don't i would just love to know why put it this way even people in edmonton when the time came out earlier on today fans in edmonton were saying what the heck and that's uh, local time there. So it's not 10 Eastern time. But even they were saying, come on, really? You got to wait till then? Can we do it six local, five local, 530 local, something? I know. I'm preaching to the converted as she's lifting goodness, up her hands I mean, and arms. I know. All the television revenue they're going to lose from the East Coast, right? Because some people have to go yep. to bed because they have to go to work on Monday morning. That's just life. And if you did have yep. it a couple hours earlier, just you're going to have so many more... Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands more eyeballs on that game. I don't understand it. Okay. Anyways, rant over. There's got to be something. Yeah. Rant done. Um, A more reasonable Eastern time zone uh, game tonight is game six between Dallas and Seattle, the Kraken. Again, uh, trying to fight to stay alive. They need a win to force the seventh game. And the seventh game, if need be, that would be coming up on a Tuesday. And that would be in Dallas, but uh, sorry, Monday, that'll be in Dallas, but not to get too far ahead of ourselves. The last two games in this series, Dallas has outscored the Kraken 11 to 5. Have the Kraken finally broke? Well, I don't think broke is the word. They is there a crack a in the team? Oh, is there a crack? Is that what you're going for? Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll give you that. There is a, there is a right. crack in the team. First, the positive. Uh, I was mm-hmm. on with uh, your lovely colleague, uh, the ever lovely Mick Kern on under review on Wednesday, yep. we were discussing this, that everybody on the team has scored, who has played more than one game has scored besides Jared McCann and Ryan Donato. Now Jared McCann scored in the last game. <laughs> so Ryan Donato right. is literally the only guy who has played on, regularly in the on. postseason. I know he's only playing like nine minutes a game, but Ryan, you got to get it done, buddy. You're going to be the yep. only one. So I am calling a Ryan Donato goal in what will probably be a Stars victory on Saturday evening. They're just, it looks like, <laughs> first of all, Ottinger has been Ottinger again the last couple. He's looked at, they're just, 
the, the yeah. stars are a better team and they've looked the better team. I know that sounds really simple, but I loved the Max Domi game. That's what I'm calling it because that was the one before the last one, I believe that he just came out yep. and he was the difference maker. And Pavelski looks like Pavelski. He's exactly where he needs to be on the ice at all times. It's actually super annoying for the opposition. I would imagine Hints has been a superstar. You've just, all the other guys are kicking in and doing what they need to do. And they have won probably, and this is no disrespect to Bobrovsky, or to anybody else we've talked about in net so far. But Ottinger mm-hmm. is, I think, the best goaltender who's playing right now in terms of like the season-long resume and who you'd want to have start for you if you were in this position. And I do think, I think the Kraken have cracked. They've run out of gas. That's my my <laughs> thought on it. But you know what? But you know what? They yeah. have surprised me all season. They have sur- surprised me all postseason. So who knows? I'm looking forward to it, though, because it's, again, 7 p.m. Eastern start. Thank you, NHL. So I'll be watching Thank it uh, this evening with my steak dinner and uh, out on the deck and enjoying it in such fashion. A couple things about that last game in Game 5. Um, Seattle outshot Dallas 14-5 in the first, but they were down 2 nothing. So that's discouraging. Wow. You did whatever you could against Ottinger, and then they lost 5-2. Um, what they're saying is just too many shots from distance, too much from the outside, and that favors Dallas's, or quite frankly, that favors anyone's defensive game if you can keep them on the outside shooting against your goaltender. You mentioned Ottinger, and um, Brian Ray had him on the show uh, today. He covers the Dallas Stars, and he said this about Ottinger. In his playoff career, in games one to four, Jake Ottinger has a save percentage of 9.15 and a goals against of 2.69. In games five, six, and seven, it goes up to 954 and the GAA down to 1.6. So he just seems to be getting in his zone in games five, and he more than likely will be that way tonight, too, in game six. To your point, he's not getting enough credit, but Borowski, yeah, dynamite, but Ottinger, fantastic talent. He's clutch. Yeah. What do you want in the postseason? Yeah. Do you just yeah. want solid or do you want clutch? And if you're getting clutch. better as the season wears on, that means that you're clutch. We'll see. Game time uh, tonight. Again, the uh, Dallas Stars, a win away from moving on to the Western Conference Final. Uh, They take on the Seattle Kraken, and we'll see what happens tomorrow with Vegas and Edmonton. Of course, the winners of that series, those series will end up playing each other in that final. Hart Trophy, there's no discussion, but the three finalists were announced. So we have to talk about the three finalists. Uh, Number three or number two, doesn't matter. Matthew Kachuk of the Panthers, great season. David Pasternak of the Bruins, great season. But of course, it'll be Connor McDavid. The bookhouses aren't even taking bets anymore on it. I mean, the no. odds were well, ridiculous why? for ages. You don't need the, to. Ridic- <laughs> you, you would have to like spend, you'd have to wager, I should say, a million dollars to win like 10 bucks. Like it was outrageous right. what the odds were in the first place. They're not even bothering anymore because it is literally, there. if there's any slam dunk, this is a slam dunk. There's my, To me, what the only thing you could wager on here if they wanted to create the bet is if any voting member doesn't have him number one. That's the only oh, whoever, thing. He's going to win, yeah. of course. Mm-mm. But yeah. he, is, he or she is going to get called out in that case. Now, who would you have number two? This is my Connor McDavid, whatever. But who's the bridesmaid? Is it Pasternak? Because I agree with the three. I think those three are the three who sh- it should be. Uh, they are the top three in my mind for this particular trophy, the heart. Who is number two for you? I would have for me Kachuk. And the yeah, reason is specifically because it's yeah, number two, because it was his it's his first year with a brand new team. 
not taking anything away from um, Pasternak or anything like that. Boston had a great season, but Kachuk to me, uh, Pasternak can score with the best of them, right? He's one of the best players in the game, but I just think Kachuk brings that Kachukness, if that even made any sense. So I would no, go no, with him for number Kachuk-iness. two. Um, Kachukiness. 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 Okay, I like that. I like that. What about you? Would you go? Would, oh, would you go? Kachuk too. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely Kachuk. And the, there's yeah. no, this is when you have to think about the most valuable aspect of this award. It's not just a very good player award. It's the most valuable player award it's as well. Right. It's um, the Florida Panthers are not in this position without Matthew Kachuk. There's no way, no chance. They're not just even towards, and I know it's a regular season award. I'm talking about that. They're not in the postseason without Matthew yep. Kachuk doing everything he did in those last couple of months, right? Whereas Boston is still going to make the playoffs without David Pasternak. They are. Amazingly, and he's an yeah. amazing player, yeah. but I still think they do squeeze in because they have the other ones. Yeah, and again, his first year in Florida makes it all the more impressive. And he does everything; he does absolutely everything you want a hockey player to do. So he is my number two. It's going to be McDavid, and there's only been two unanimous um, winners: Gretzky in the early '80s, McDavid a couple of years ago as well, uh, unanimous. So pretty much a guarantee; it has to be another unanimous. Win. Okay, final thoughts as we um, end the pod. We'll get back at it in a few days. We'll well, we'll obviously know by early next week uh, who the final four are going to be in the NHL. Uh, does Dallas win or does Seattle force a seventh game tonight? I want Seattle to force a seventh game. Dallas wins. Okay. Okay. Dallas wins. I'm with you as well. I think Dallas does. I think I had them in six anyway, so that's pretty good. What about tomorrow, Vegas, Edmonton? Do we see game seven next Tuesday or do we see Vegas move on? Oilers tie it up and Vegas eventually wins it in game seven. How do you like that? Okay. I I have Edmonton in seven, so it's got to go seven. I had had Edmonton. I had Edmonton in seven originally. I'm changing my mind now just because I've gotten everything wrong up to this point, so who cares? doesn't matter. Yeah, I have my, as well. My my bracket's busted. <laughs> oh, my. It's I had Jersey in seven. Yeah. I had the Maple Leafs in six. Yeah. So just forget about it. Nothing matters anymore. If I don't go 0 for 4, that'll be something. No. I had the Oilers in seven. I could still get it. I had the Oilers in seven. And um, I did have Dallas, actually. I had Dallas in six, so I can get that. Okay. So you're not completely done. No, I'm no, hanging on by a thread as well. That's the best thing about it too. You pick, you make your picks in the beginning. You do all four rounds, but then after each round, you just forget it. But you just re- redo the whole slate again, and that's fine. Hey, sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. That's the whole one of the fun about all this. Anyway, out of time. Uh, we'll be back at it in a couple of days. Once again, enjoy the game uh, coming up tonight, and also the one tomorrow. The Western Conference finalists still need to be decided. They will be decided in the next few days, and then it'll be a final four time in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, you follow us on Twitter at Ryan M. Payton at Victoria Matiash. We're also available wherever you get your podcasts. Also on the SiriusXM app. On behalf of Vic, I'm Ryan. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. We'll talk to you early next week. This has been Pucks in 7. Available on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts.